We be saying no, 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 when it's really yes, 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 yes. Hi guys, welcome back to the Fem Phenom Podcast. My name is Angela and this is episode four. So it's with a heavy heart that I record this episode as news broke last night of Nipsey Hussle's murder. And uh, for those who aren't familiar with Nipsey Hussle, he is an activist or was an activist Uh, a hip-hop artist, a leader, a community leader, an entrepreneur, and just an uplifter of people who started from humble means. Um, It was really hard to get the news because I was leaving a really amazing event yesterday when I got it. Um, But just a little background on my association with Nipsey I was introduced to his music by someone I used to date who was a big fan of West Coast hip-hop and I immediately was drawn to the lyrics uh, of his music but then I watched a lot of his interviews and I became a big fan of the man Uh, I remember his 247 hip-hop interview was really motivating and inspiring to me um, because he talked about energy and uh, my favorite quote from that was um, him talking about laying in the bed that you make. And he said, master your energy, do your best to master your energy and what you put out. And I really connected with that um, and connected with his work, his message and all of his efforts to uplift people, black and brown people, but people in general. So Rest in peace, Nipsey. Uh, This is a huge loss for not only the hip-hop community, but for the world. Um, But speaking or touching back on the event I was leaving when I uh, got the news about Nipsey, I was at a really dope-ass brunch with a lot of amazing creative women. The event was held as a screening for the second and third installations of a web series called for my canvas so I was invited by Latasha Bird Brown who is just a dope ass creative here in Atlanta that I met months back Um, and she produces the web series along with filmmaker Kiara Barnes and it's basically an initiative to bridge the gap between and have a conversation about who we are now as women, uh, and who we want to become. And it's just, you know, an amazing project. Uh, Everyone who was at the screening yesterday was dope as hell. And uh, I encourage you to check them out on YouTube. Check out uh, my Canvas, the series, and check them out, you know, on Instagram as well, at my curvy campaign, uh, and support support a dope-ass movement. So with that said, let's jump right into this week's episode, which is something I have been wanting to discuss for quite a while now, as it continues to come up in conversations I'm having with family, friends, and even strangers. And the topic is bias, more specifically unconscious bias. But as I started to research the topic, I noticed that there are several categories for bias, Um, unconscious definitely being the more complicated of the categories. Um, but let's jump right in. So, you know, I like to start with definitions and Miriam Webster defines bias as prejudice in favor of or against one thing, person or group 
compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. And psychology today defines bias as a tendency or inclination of prejudice toward or against something or someone. So it's definitely important to point out the difference between racism and bias because they're often confused and used interchangeably in a way that's very incorrect. Racism is rooted in power. Racism is rooted in systemic processes that definitely incorporate bias and manipulate bias. But bias is a cognitive process. Basically, an exercise that that's used as a safety measure to organize social worlds through categorizing. It helps us to make quick decisions about people and it influences our perception, our judgment, our actions. Um, it impact it, it's impacted by our exposure to different environments. But at the end of the day, it's it's not often accurate. It paints large groups with the same brush. And unfortunately, it, we are manipulated by bias every day through media, through movies, through ads, even by our elders, by the government. Um, bias impacts the criminal justice system. It, it impacts education, health care. I mean, we've all heard the stories, the, the two guys sitting in a Starbucks waiting for, you know, someone to join them for a meeting and a Starbucks clerk calls the police on them because they they feel like these people are a threat and 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 there's a huge you know hubbub about racism and that could very well be true but at the root of it there's definitely bias like I'm unfamiliar with people or something so I feel threatened by these people I feel threatened by this thing and that to me is where we have to be more cognizant um it's more frustrating to me when minorities participate in bias and reinforce bias, especially like what I've really been noticing lately is a lot of minorities jumping into this immigration conversation about the wall. And when I hear people uh, arguing for border, okay, well, maybe not a wall, but we definitely need border reform. And I'm just like, that's not, that shouldn't be a priority for you. Why do you somehow feel threatened by immigrants? At the end of the day, we're all immigrants. I don't feel, and I'm not saying everyone should feel like I feel, but the fact that you are allowing yourself to be manipulated to think that an immigrant somehow poses a threat to you, that's problematic. In the same manner that, you know, we have these biases towards homeless people or poor people or the mentally ill or even millennials, you know? A lot of generations older than that that aren't millennials have such biases like, oh, they are helpless. They can't do this. They can't do that. They're not learning. I, you know, I've seen all the memes about they can't even write in cursive. I can't even have a conversation with somebody who doesn't know how to do this or doesn't know they can't boil an egg. And I'm just like, all of that is rooted in bias because it doesn't, it doesn't reflect someone's capabilities. It doesn't reflect someone's intellectual capacity. You know, like you're, you're, implementing we we take a singular element or a singular device like race or gender or economics or religion or age or sexual orientation or homelessness and we decide that this person is not worthy or a threat or illiterate you know and it's just wrong it's just wrong and it bothers me so much when I see people of color participate all people participating in it but it really gets under my skin when I see groups of people who are 
systematically oppressed by bias, turning around and using bias to oppress other people. I'm just like, uh, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. You are a part of a group of people that is widely discriminated against. Why would you turn around and discriminate against other people based on a singular factor? That is not everyone that falls into that category are alike in every measure, like on every note, these people, it's, it's these people or those people. And it's just like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? You've maybe had a conversation with one person from that group or you've been exposed to through media or whatever means one person from this group. And now you've decided that the entire group is a ref- that that person is a reflection of the entire group. That's frustrating to me. And That's why I wanted to have this conversation about bias. But there's also this blowback that bias is getting like, oh, we're living in such a sensitive society. You can't say anything. You can't do anything or you'll be, you know, you'll be canceled. (laughs) You'll be fired. You'll be outed on social media. Um, I even found a Villanova, uh, an article online written by Villanova professors about a mole hunt for bias on campus because the administration at Villanova apparently is being more aggressive in polling students about bias sensitivity, uh, about their profess bias, bias sensitivity in the classroom and basically asking questions in the reviews uh, of, of classes where students are asked for feedback regarding their professor's sensitivity to bias or participation in bias. And two professors basically wrote an article saying that it makes them feel more threatened as far as their jobs are concerned, because there's, you know, like they don't know what would be considered a fireable offense as it relates to bias. Like they feel, they feel better just avoiding certain topics that could be, considered insensitive as it relates to bias so topics such as religion or race or gender and it's just like why is our why why is it that we are more prone to just avoid these conversations than to acknowledge that bias exists and have discussions about our bias, have discussions with people from the groups that we are biased towards and get a better, better understanding of why we feel this way, whether it is co- a correct position to take, whether it is a, co- it is a correct reflection that we have of a, a group of people and how we can redefine our, redefine what we've told ourselves about certain people and about certain groups. So with all that said, um, the University of California at San Francisco um, made four or three points actually I added the fourth about how to counter bias so the first is to recognize bias the second is to understand it like you know what bias is it's a cognitive tool the science of bias the third is to discuss it like have conversations with the similar groups I think a fourth note is important that there is beyond the discussion there should be immersion or exposure to where you are Allowing yourself to be immersed in spaces and groups of people where you are not the majority. Um, And this is very uncomfortable for most of us. I know, even speaking for myself, I have been uncomfortable in spaces where 
I feel like the only person in the room. But as a black woman, oftentimes that's just naturally the case. So (laughs) I have had to become more comfortable with being the only black or brown person in the room or perhaps the only woman in the room or perhaps the youngest person in the room. And being in those spaces is uncomfortable at first. But after a while, you realize that most of the time there isn't a threat in the room. And where there are threats, they're usually threats that I can manage on my own or I have resources to manage those threats um, or resources have been developed over time. Some have taken a long time to be developed as it relates to race and as it relates to gender and some are still being developed. But in in most cases, I'm able to, and I'm a type A personality, so my nature isn't reflective of everyone's, but in most part, I haven't felt threatened and if and, and I'm able to tap into my tap into my instincts in a way that I'm able to gauge threats but I've also spent time around a lot of different people so I definitely feel less biased towards many groups and I you know than I guess a lot of people do um which is unfortunate, but that's why I think the immersion and exposure element is very important. I think that once you recognize or identify bias and then understand bias, yes, discussions, having discussions is great. And having discussions was very helpful for me. But I think in addition to those discussions, there needs to be immersion, having dinner with people that are not like you, Um, going to community or social events or festivals with people who are not like you. And I know this is this is, you know, this step isn't as easy as I make it sound. A lot of times people don't feel welcomed in certain communities, just like I'm going to be, you know, like the, (laughs) the, the, the I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb in this space. And I don't know if I've definitely, if I'll be welcome, but I think we should, our inclination shouldn't be to assume, to assume that we won't be welcome. Um, There definitely needs to be precaution taken. If it's a, you know, don't be the, the, the extremist missionary trying to go and bring (laughs) and and infiltrate a indigenous population on a, a private Island. But you know, like go to a music festival, go to a hip hop festival if you know, and, and don't appropriate people's culture. When you go be inquisitive, be respectful, uh, be, be reserved. Don't go and just insert yourself. And also this is, I, I really take problem with this. A lot of times people will approach me for the first time. I've never met them. And they approach me with this level of comfort based on how they see People like me engage with one another in media. So an example of that is like I'll meet somebody who's not black and even if they're brown, but they're not black, they'll approach me with like this cavalier, uh, casual regard. Just like, what's up? Uh, No, I don't know you. You can't come up to me and talk to me the way that I talk to my people or the way that I talk to my family. Approach me with respect. Like I take it offensively when you approach me in this like cavalier casual manner. It's like, I don't know if you're doing it to disarm me or if you're doing doing it because you have a lack of respect for me. Um, but it's very uncomfortable. So I think there needs to always be and the approach needs to be respectful. Like I'm approaching you the way I would approach someone I respect in my own community. 
don't don't be so cavalier and don't appropriate. Don't come in using vernacular that you have witnessed people use in media with their own people. Don't do that. Don't do that. There needs to be a course on how to be respectful in approaching different groups or in in appreciating different cultures. Um, but they're definitely, I think, you know, with the history of colonialism and and the his with the history of appropriation, we have to approach with respect. We have to have reverence for different cultures. And I personally have never gotten resistance when I've approached with respect and understanding and saying and and and, and making it known that. I while that that I admire your culture that I find your culture to be amazing and that I'm not here to change your culture and that I'm also not an expert on your culture don't come and and, and assume that I, I don't approach with this assumption that I already know I like I already I've already gotten the 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 info like I already know everything about your culture you know like I'm in I'm <laughs> I'm with it I'm hip no Whatever you've been exposed to is a microcosm of a really broad and really layered existence and history. So approach with reverence, approach with an openness for learning and not with this is what I know. Let me tell you what I know about you. You don't know anything about me. We've just met. You are not a part of my group. Don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Let me let you know, you know, let the group let you know what they're comfortable with don't approach with like oh I already know how to disarm you or I already know like what 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 the lingo is no you don't (laughs) you don't know all of the nuances of anybody's culture that you aren't a part of so just approach with reverence um but let's move into because I could spend so much time on that I definitely want to Discuss the type of biases that exist. Um, According to the University of California, there are two types. Conscious, which is an explicit bias. Like, I know that I'm biased towards this group and I don't have a problem with it. And and this is the way I was raised and this is the way I'm going with it. I know that it's not rooted in facts, but I don't care. Uh, So it's explicit. Like, you know you're being biased. But oftentimes bias is unconscious and implicit, which is... uh, noted as more prevalent by UCSF, um, which is like the stereotypes that are formed beyond conscious awareness. Uh, They also say that it's often incompatible with our conscious values, like in the manner that people are strict, devout Christians, but hate certain groups of people when they know like hate goes against my religion, but I'm biased against that group because I believe in the stereotypes that have been reinforced about that group. So I'm going to stand behind it. You know, that is the, the complicated side of unconscious bias that it is often in direct contrast to our conscious values. Also it's uh, they note that unconscious bias develops early in childhood and throughout childhood. And it has real world effects on behavior it also increases the, our susceptibility to stereotype threat, which is the phenomenon where people behave in a manner to avoid confirming common stereotypes. I can speak to that with regard to code switching. 
Um, there's definitely been a discussion lately about how, you know, people are editing their resumes and either using a nickname or a, a middle name to allow them to get further in the application process because maybe a first name is directly connected to a certain culture and will somehow trigger bias. Um, also, with you meet immigrants who have not taught their children their native tongue because we don't want them to be discriminated against. Um, I had several classmates growing up who were either Latin or French or otherwise, and their parents spoke French or Latin or Spanish, but they didn't teach it to them because they didn't want them to be discriminated against. So they forced them to only learn English, um, which is really so sad and really heartbreaking but also in large part, a survival mechanism. So Psychology Today went further and uh, pointed out two subcategories of unconscious bias, which are confirmation bias and attribution bias. Confirmation bias, they define as the brain's tendency to search for and focus on info that supports what someone already believes while ignoring facts that go against these beliefs, despite their relevance. I definitely have been a party to this and probably even participated in it, if we're being completely honest. Um, attribution bias is defined as when someone tries to attribute reasons or motivations to the actions of others without concrete evidence to support the assumptions. Uh, so they're, brown, they're, they're, they're black, so they must be thugs or they're homeless, so they must be uh, disease ridden or, you know, like, it's just like, wh wh where are your facts? What are you basing this on? And maybe those weren't the best examples, but you get where I'm going with it. Um, the Psychology Today resource also noted that bias can be helpful and that, you know, bias can tell us what's healthy for us as far as what we eat or, you know, like not our bias towards television and towards media, like not allowing ourselves to be over consume to over consume things that are not healthy for us. So, um, the goal at the end of the day is to pay attention to helpful biases, what is healthy to participate in versus what isn't, while keeping negative, prejudicial, or accidental biases in check. And there is definitely an understanding that this requires a delicate balance between self-protection and empathy per for others. But I think it's great. It'd be great if we could all work towards this, like checking ourselves where we are being biased, calling ourselves out, holding ourselves and those around us accountable. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in a canceling manner, because at the end of the day, if we cancel everybody, what do we have left? We have no media left. We have no entertainment left. And I'm not saying some people don't deserve to be canceled because they do. R. Kelly is canceled over here. But <laughs> but. Everybody can't be canceled. And in, in the R. Kelly example, I remember shortly after the Mute R. Kelly uh, documentary aired, people tried to throw Ture under the bus because they say that Ture was, um, there was uh, someone who came forward that said that Ture was sexually inappropriate with colleagues in the workplace. And I'm like, being sexually inappropriate while wrong? is 
the norm with men as it relates to just like gender dynamics in America. Like we can, we need to address that, but he doesn't need to be lumped in the predator pile with R Kelly. That is, you know, like ridiculous. That's when we take it too far. So let's be empathetic and considerate in our, you know, in holding ourselves accountable, but more so in holding other people accountable. But let's also feel comfortable having conversations about these things. I think we need to be having more conversations about the things that we disagree on, because at the root of what we disagree about from for in large part, I believe is an unawareness or misunderstanding. It's just like I'm, I'm familiar with this topic. And so I have decided to incorporate the stereotypes that have been reinforced or been, you know, uh, fed to me by various sources about these group of people. And we often, a lot of us participate in that and we're not aware of it. And it's, it's just so disturbing. It's so hard for me mostly. And it's, it's, I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it, but it makes me uncomfortable to say now because I realize I'm saying this and I'm participating in bias, but it really makes me upset when I see people who are, who are greatly oppressed by bias participating in it. We just have to hold ourselves more accountable. So as we move towards being more accountable as it relates to our own biases and the biases of others, there are resources that are available to help in this process. Project Implicit at www.projectimplicit.net has an aptitude test called the Implicit Association Test that evaluates bias by examining stereotypes that exist below one's conscious awareness based on factors such as race, gender, sexual orientation, and national origin. It's basically an aptitude test for bias, and it is developed by a nonprofit network of researchers that investigate implicit social cognition or thoughts and feelings outside of conscious awareness to better understand aptitudes, stereotypes, and other hidden biases that influence our perception, judgment, and action. In addition, the Fast Company article I mentioned earlier is a great resource. It is titled How to Become a Less Biased Version of Yourself. And the University of California at San Francisco Office of Diversity and Research has an entire website dedicated to unconscious bias resources. And that can be found at diversity.ucsf.edu slash resources slash unconscious hyphen bias. I am going to go take the implicit association test as soon as I upload this episode. I encourage you all to do it as well. And let's discuss it. Hit me up in the DMs. You know I'm already at the femphenom on all social media. And you can also email me at the femphenom at gmail.com. Until next week, guys, take care.